Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, welcome. Look at us. We are finally here in 2024. So let me ask, how, how are your resolutions going? Yeah, going well. Anyone behind on their Bible reading plan? Yeah? Oh, I'm glad you're being honest. Yeah. Uh, anyone skipped the gym yet? Yes. All right. I know some people haven't, but you, you and me, we have, you know, we're just, we're just normal people. Listen, if, if you have come into this space and you have failed your resolutions, even though we are uh, 11 days into the new year, uh, welcome. It's okay. You are human. Uh, I want to welcome you into this community of imperfect people. And if this is your first time or hundredth time in this space, I just want you to know that we are, as a community, an imperfect people in relationship with a very, very perfect God. Now tonight, we're going to start a new sermon series uh, uh, focused on prayer. And this series will take us through March, which means we're going to be talking about prayer for just about three months And you might be curious as to why we would spend so much time on this topic. And and I get it because out of all the things as a young adult uh, that you might need help with in your life, you might say that your prayer life just isn't even top five that comes to mind. You know, you're, you might be broke or you might be brokenhearted or you might be brokenheaded, but you're like, I don't know if I got a broke prayer life, but maybe you do. I don't know. But you're like, that just might be you. But let me ask. Have you ever grown frustrated by what seems like an inability to sense the presence of God in your daily life? Maybe perhaps year after year, your, your resolutions have been, you know, as a Christian, to grow closer to God, but no matter how much you try, nothing seems to change. Maybe you're trying to make some important decisions for 2024 and beyond, but you don't, you don't know what to do and you're, so you're just so desperate to hear the voice of God for direction, but he seems very silent. Or maybe you're, you're kind of grieving some losses you had in 2023 and trying to process through the reality that God has said no to some of your prayers that you've been asking earnestly for year after year. Or maybe... Maybe it's just been a confusing last few years and you've just given up trying to talk to God altogether. And the tying thread through all of those scenarios is what? It's prayer. And so we're not doing this series because I think it's important, even though I love it, or, or, or that, that our team thought it was important. Actually, the reason we're doing it is because Jesus said prayer was very important. 
When you think about the life of Jesus, it is very easy to think about his preaching, his teaching, and his miracles. But what we forget or what we may not know is that what fueled everything that Jesus did was his prayer life. It wasn't just that he was the son of God and had divine power and authority. It enabled and fueled him to do what he was able to do as, as, as Jesus was his prayer life. I don't know if you know this, but the homeboy Jesus was praying all the time. Like he would wake up early in the morning and you know what he'd be doing? Praying. He'd go to bed and it wasn't like, I lay myself down to sleep, Lord, to keep. No, I was like, Lord, we're going to have an all freaking nighter. We're going to go. We're going to pray. See, Jesus would wake up early in the morning and he would pray to God and say, God, what, Father, what do you want for me to do today? Jesus would, before making important decisions, he, he would pull all-nighters. Actually, Jesus, before he chose the 12 disciples, you know what he did? He pulled an all-night prayer sesh with the Father and said, Father, which 12 disciples, which 12 men do you want me to call upon to be disciples? Before Jesus did miracles, before Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, what did he do? He prayed. Even, and this, this one blows my mind. As Jesus is on the cross, experiencing the most excruciating human torment known to that time period, you know what he was doing on the cross? He was praying and he, wasn't, he was just praying. He was praying good prayers. He's like, Father, forgive these people even though they have persecuted me. So the point of all this is that Jesus prayed all the time because he understood that he could not live life with God outside of prayer. He knew that prayer was essential. And so this sermon series over the next three months is called Teach Us to Pray because Jesus wants us to learn how to pray like he did. Because when Jesus prayed, he grew closer to the Father. And when Jesus prayed, the power of heaven became manifest on earth. And so for the goal for us this next three months in this series is to learn how to pray like Jesus, that we will together learn to pray prayers that bring us closer to God and prayers that change the world. Now, I know that I speak about this topic passionately and it might give you the impression that I am an expert at prayer. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I am not. In full vulnerability, uh, even though I've been spending a couple of years trying to learn more and more about prayer daily, uh, on the daily, it honestly feels like I fail at prayer more than I succeed. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but that when I start praying, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when I start praying, it feels like the whole world is conspiring against me. I never get more phone calls than when I pray. Like, like people who I haven't talked to in years are like, hey man, I was just thinking about you. I was like, no, get behind me, Satan. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you no more anyway. Forget me, forget you, we're good. Uh, I, I never feel more distracted than when I pray. It's like literally I could watch and sit three hours of Netflix without any distraction, but I go to pray for 30 seconds and I'm like, man, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I wonder how that person's doing. I wonder if Rachel's cooking tonight. Like I have literally most distracted is when I'm about to pray. But the one thing that I've had to battle in my journey of learning how to pray is the sense that God is not present when I pray. I mean, maybe you've, you've been there yourselves, like you're praying and maybe you're, you're going through your list of prayers or you're, you're praying alongside a devotional or whatever circumstance, you're, you're praying, right? And somewhere along the way, maybe this, this, this nagging feeling like a minute into your prayer, you're, you ask yourself, is anyone even listening? 
Like you might open your eyes and you look around in your room and you're like, I am alone. This feels dumb. Like why am I doing this? And I think, you see, I think people struggle to find the value in the practice of prayer because prayer can seem and feel like it's just this one-way conversation. Like you're, you're throwing these words out into the universe, hoping it reaches some God, the God who I don't know. And, and if it does, you're hoping that you'll get what you're asking from them. It's like writing a letter to a cosmic Santa Claus. But mind you, this is actually what manifesting is, Right? Like you throw some words out into the universe and, and the more positive or not negative your affirmations are that you throw into the universe, that is what you're most likely to attract. So if you send out positive vibes, you receive positive things. If you're a negative person, you receive negative things. And this is what pop culture and, and new age practitioners call the, the, the law of attraction or simply manifesting. But is that what prayer is? Is it, is it the practice of speaking words to an impersonal God who is out in the distance, all with the hopes that maybe they'll listen to you and grant you your greatest wishes and desires? Or is it something more? So tonight, that is what we're gonna explore. We're gonna explore the question of what is prayer? So we're gonna be tonight again in the book of Matthew, chapter six, verses five and six. You don't have to open just yet. I'm just gonna give a little context for where we are in the book of Matthew. See, this set of verses, this couple of verses is found within a larger collection of writings called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus preached this sermon as a way of teaching his disciples about what life in the kingdom of God would look like, or at least what it should look like. And so as you read the Sermon around, which is uh, Matthew 5 through 7, it lists out what life should look like for a disciple of Jesus. And smack in the middle, chapter 6, as we begin here, in the middle of the sermon, Jesus begins to teach his disciples about prayer. Now, if someone were to ask you where, uh, what, uh, what your opinion is or, or what's the greatest place to start on prayer, you, we might think about the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Okay, cool, just testing you, you know, you guys, you guys know, cool. And so, so on and so forth. But just before Jesus gives this model of prayer to his disciples, he actually gives a few verses or a few words of a, as an introductory lesson onto what prayer is. So here, let's open up our Bibles. Once again, if you have it, if not, it'll be behind me, but I would encourage you to have your own physical Bible. No shade, just encouragement. Uh, verse, let's just read verse five together. And when you pray, okay, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received your, their reward. That's verse five. So Jesus begins his lesson on what prayer is. He says this, when you pray. So notice Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, he says, when you pray. So right off the bat, Jesus is teaching, right? That disciples of Jesus are to be people of prayer. If any of you have a question about whether we should pray or not, Jesus says, yes, y'all better pray. Jesus says, yes, pray. To be a follower of Jesus means that prayer is part of our daily lives with Jesus. But then he, he proceeds to give an illustration of what prayer is not. So he doesn't immediately say, hey, this is what prayer is. He wants to just show a common thing that we make prayer out to be. So he says, don't pray like the hypocrites 
because they pray in public places so that they can be seen. Now, the Greek word for hypocrite is the, is the root word for the English word actor. Thank you. <laughs> a hypocrite then is a pretender, an actor, someone who gives the impression that they are one thing when they really are another. Some of you have those people in your life and they're probably your ex, right? So good thing they're your ex. And so Jesus says, don't be like their ex. Don't be a hypocrite. Christians are not to pray like the hypocrite because the hypocrite, you see the problem with praying like a hypocrite is that hypocrites are focused on themselves. See, notice the reason. Why is it that the hypocrites pray? It's so that they can be seen by others. They want validation and affirmation and ultimately to be seen as something that would bring them praise. And Jesus says right off the bat, don't do that. Don't pray like the hypocrite because their prayer is centered on the wrong thing. You see, when prayer is centered on you, on yourselves, then you are praying incorrectly. See, the point that Jesus is making here is very simple. Prayer is not about you. Prayer is about God. And you might be wondering then, well, well is it, is it wrong for me to ask things of God? No, no, actually, just a few verses later in the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples that they are to take their needs before God. That is actually very good for you to take your needs before God. But what Jesus is saying here, and what he's trying to teach his disciples, is that true prayer is directed and centered on God. He is trying to help Disciples of Jesus have a bigger view of the God they go to in prayer. I wonder how many of us in the room tonight have a small view of God. Because when our view of God is small, our prayers become boring, hopeless, and powerless. And that's because we're praying to a theoretical and an impersonal idea of God. But that is not the God of the Bible. If you want to find some prayers written by people who had a massive view of God, who thought God was great and worthy to be praised, I would encourage you to read the book of Psalms. The Psalms are a compilation of 150 divinely inspired prayers written by people like King David, King Solomon, Moses, the sons of Korah, and honestly, a bunch of other people who go unnamed. And one of the defining, if not the, the, the defining feature of their prayer is how they begin their prayers. Think about how you start your prayers. How do you start your prayers? Hey God, it's me. How's heaven? How's Gabriel? You doing okay? How about Michael? Mm, it's cool. Um, well, you know, I got some things. I got a list for you this morning. Uh, I'm hoping we can at least hit one through four. I'd be okay if we only did three of the four. Our prayers often really are directed about our wants and our needs. We are the subject of our own prayers often. But the psalmists begin their prayers very differently. In fact, Jesus models the, 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 the Lord's prayer in the way that the psalmists pray. The psalmists begin their prayers by praising and recognizing and acknowledging God for who he is. 
They would pray in accordance to the character of God. So they would begin to to pray prayers like, God, you are worthy to be praised. God, you are king over all the universe. God, you are the sustainer and deliverer of your people. God, you are a strong tower. There's some crazy times. He's like, God, you're the one who smashes in the teeth of my enemies. Like, that's like, whoa, God's a gangster. You know, like, like, but these are prayers that they prayed. They prayed in accordance to who God revealed himself to be as loving and steadfast and powerful and sovereign. And the list can go on and on and on. And then from that place, from that place of reality, the rest of their prayer flows. You see, they did not pray according to their circumstances. They began with who God is and revealed himself to be. And then they made their circumstances bow to God. Y'all hearing me on that? When they prayed, they prayed the truth about who God is and said, my life will bow to that reality. It wasn't that they prayed their circumstances and hoped that God would meet the reality. They prayed knowing God is who he says he is and then prayed in accordance to that. And the reason why the psalmist prayed like this wasn't because God forgets who he is. It's like, hey God, just in case you forgot, you're awesome. No, They didn't pray like this so they can suck up to God, hoping if they said enough nice things that that maybe God will answer their prayers. The reason the psalmist pray in this way is because they need to be reminded of the goodness and the greatness of God who is controlled over everything. You see, we focus, Jesus wants us to focus our prayers on God because we need to be reminded of who God truly is because we too often forget the power and the immensity and the goodness of God. If you knew God in the way he revealed himself to be, don't you think our prayers would be a little different? Wouldn't our prayers be far more powerful if we remembered God as he says he is, as God as the all-powerful one, as the sustainer of the whole world, the God who holds the world in the palm of his hands, who says that he is merciful and cares for the poor and the powerless and that he sees you fully. And if you knew those things to be true about God, what would you pray for? Would you pray simply for God to get you from to your job because you woke up late? Or would you pray for God to shake the foundations of the earth? Would you pray God to give you a free Chipotle order? Or would you say, God, I pray that the whole world would come to know your glory. Would you pray, hey, God, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of struggling. Would you kind of help me? Or you say, God, you are my deliverer. I need you to deliver me from my depression and my anxiety. Like how different would our prayers be if we prayed in accordance to who God says he is? Prayer is meant to be centered on God because only he can satisfy our souls and meet our every need. But prayer is more than just asking God for things. Something greater happens in the act of prayer. Let's continue in verse six. Says in contrast, but, meaning in contrast, instead of like the hypocrites, when you pray, and it's very emphatic, he says, when you pray, very different. He says, forget them, when you pray, y'all better do this. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just giving the Caesar version of what I imagine Jesus would sound like when he's saying these things, but I'm sure he's much kinder and much more serious than I am. So go, he says, go into your room, shut the door, 
and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So in contrast to the prayers of the hypocrites, Jesus teaches his disciples what true prayer is. Instead of praying where everyone can see you, Jesus says, go to the place of secret. And you might have heard of prayer happening in, have you ever heard the secret place? There's books about it. There's, there's songs about it. Uh, this is the verse that people tend to look to to talk about the secret place. Now, this kind of begs the question, does Jesus have beef with people praying in public? Thank you, Jay, for just laughing. I write these for you, you know? Uh, no, does Jesus have a problem with people praying in public? No. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus prayed in public. His disciples prayed in public. The early church prayed in public. We just prayed in public. Jesus has, doesn't have an issue with public prayer. He's not literally saying that all prayer has to be done in private because the secret place is not a place, a, a fixed location, a geographical location. You can go to the secret place while you're sitting in your car. You can go to the secret place when you're praying here during our gatherings. You can go to the secret place at home alone, but you're saying, okay, Caesar, I'm glad I can go anywhere. Well, what exactly is the secret place? Well, when Jesus talks about the secret place, he's talking about the place of prayer where you seek God and meet with him face to face. The secret place is the place you go to be in the presence of God. Now, now where does Jesus, I, I wanna look back at the verse because as we unpack this, it'll, it'll make this even more amazing. Where does Jesus say God the Father is located? He says, pray to your father who is Where? who is in secret. The father is in the secret place. And I love this word secret. Does it make you feel like a little kid? Like, ooh, I got a secret. Some of y'all can't hold a secret. You know who you are. But I love that word secret. See, when we use that word in the English vocabulary, what does it mean? It means to hide something or someone with the intent that no one would ever find it, find it right? We all got a secret. You know, what's that pretty little liars thing? Like, never mind. I just revealed too much about myself at this point. It's about Jesus. It's so secret. Okay. This is why it'll go off script. It's a secret. If I tell you a secret, what do I want you to do with it? Keep it. Thank you for the rest of you guys. You, you're the people who can't keep a secret. <laughs> Here's the, I want you to keep it. I don't want you to share it with anyone. I want it to be hidden like you never even heard it ever. Like, like now it's a secret that I watch for Little Liars. That's a secret. We're all going to keep it, right? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. But the word that Jesus uses for the word secret is the Greek word kryptos. Can you say that with me? Kryptos. It's kind of like cryptocurrency. Jesus was into kryptos. <laughs> Focus. Okay. So that word kryptos it means that something or someone is hidden, okay? Except for the person who is searching for it. So when Jesus says that God the Father is in secret, what he's saying is that the Father is hidden from everyone and everyone else except for the one who seeks him. Now this is what Jesus is getting at. 
That prayer is more than just about petitioning God and asking him for things. What Jesus is saying is that prayer, true prayer, good prayer, biblical prayer is about seeking after God. But it's not just seeking after God, but it's that God wants you to find him. God wants you to be in his presence. There's this illustration that one of our teaching pastors, Brady White, likes to use. He says, when you go to the secret place, when you go to God in prayer, it's like playing hide and go seek with God and he tells you where to find him. So I was imagining like this, hey God, where are you? I'm right here. Oh God, where are you? I'm literally right here. God, where, I'm here. It's like playing hide and go seek with a child. You know, you, you know, they're hiding behind the curtain and you see their feet dangling. Oh, where are they? I hope they don't find me. No, like God's like, I'm here. I'm right here. I want you to find me. See, going to the secret place is the place where God likes to lose hide and go seek. Why? Because he actually wants you to meet with him. He wants you to meet with him as a child meets with the father. Did you notice that Jesus says that the father would be waiting in secret? He could have used many names. He could have said God, Yahweh, Lord, Adonai. He could have used many words to describe God who is in the secret, but he says the father is in the secret place because to Jesus, this is what true prayer is. It is about meeting with God as father. You see, there is something powerful that happens when you meet with God in the secret place. There is, there's a reason why Jesus would spend so much of his time praying. There is something that Jesus needed and could only happen in the secret place with God. Luke chapter three, verse 21 to 22. If you wanna go there in your Bibles, you can. Luke chapter three, 21 and 22, it won't be behind me. So if you don't have a physical Bible, look at your neighbor. If y'all don't have one, I don't know, look at your phone. Luke 3, 21 to 22 gives us a picture of what happens when Jesus meets with God. Luke describes the events of Jesus' baptism here in chapter three. Now, when we think of Jesus' baptism, we often think about Matthew's account where Jesus gets baptized, the heavens open up. And you can imagine like a choir of, oh, and, and God says, this is my son with whom I am. I don't have a deep voice. This is his son with whom I am well pleased. But I, I, to be honest, people say I'm too serious when I preach. So I'm trying to like, thank you. But, but Luke's account gives a different angle of that same event. Look what it says. Now, when all the people were baptized, John the Baptist here, his cousin was baptizing people. All people were baptized and Jesus also had been baptized. Notice what he was doing. He was praying. And as he's praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Look how it says, you. The father is talking to the son and says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
This is not a generic statement. This is not just a proclamatory statement to say, hey guys, I like him a lot. He's speaking to Jesus and saying, you, in response to his prayer, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So here we see as Jesus begins to pray to the father and he gets in the secret place, the father responds. You see, what Jesus needed to hear before he starts his perfect, his, his earthly ministry, before he begins, to, this is before he does anything. This is before he teaches, this is before he preaches, this is before he does any miracles. He goes to the Father in prayer and the Father comes to him and says, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. Because what Jesus needed to hear from the Father was the word from the Father. What Jesus needed to hear before he started his day, before he started anything else in his life, were the words from his father. It is the place where the father, see the secret place is the place where the father speaks life and truth over Jesus. And this is what brought Jesus time and time again back to the presence of prayer. See, when he was in the, see, in the secret place, he was in the presence of God, meeting with his father. And his father, who loves him and knows him fully, would pour himself over the son. And the son, of being full to the brim, a reservoir of love and power, Jesus then went out and carried out his ministry. When he heard from the father, he knew his identity. When he heard from the father, he knew his mission. When he heard from the father, he knew his purpose. There was nothing that Jesus did outside of hearing from his father. I was hoping that would be an amen moment, but I'm, I'm, but, but there, it, that's what we need. We need to hear from our Father. See, Jesus, to this reality, Jesus tells us listen, go to the secret place. You need the secret place. It's the place where you can meet with the Father and he will speak life and truth over you. It's the place where the immensity of God will manifest itself over you. This is the reward that Jesus alludes to at the end of verse six. What does he say? He goes, and your Father who sees in secret will reward who? You. When you when I, when we individually, collectively go to the secret place and God sees you there, he rewards you with what? Himself. And all of him shows up. You've ever been in a conversation where you feel like someone doesn't wanna be there? You know? Yeah, I'm so glad. No, 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 I'm, I'm paying attention. That's, that's all good. No, that's crazy. You're like, why am I even talking to you? But when we go to prayer with God, all of him shows up. And he wants to be there. When you get to the secret place and God sees you and he comes to you, all of him comes to meet you. In prayer, you get all of God. You get his presence, you get his majesty, you get his power, you get his grace, you get his goodness, you get his joy, you get his peace, you get his everything. When you come into the presence of God, he pours all that he is over you. And every time you meet with him, you can experience all of that. And praise God for that. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but have you seen the world we live in? We live in a world inundated with the brokenness and difficulty of this life. 
And I'm gonna be honest with you, what you are most exposed to in this life will shape you to your core. Why do you think we have a world and a generation full of anxious and broken and fearful people? Why? It's because at every turn in this world, there is sin and death waiting for us. But when you get to the secret place, when you get to the place where you're before your father, when the God of all creation and life and sustaining and deliverance, when you're in his presence, the fullness of life is there. And suddenly the death and stench of this world begins to wash over you because you've been overwhelmed by the presence and power of God as he speaks truth and life over you. You see, some of you have never had a kind word spoken to you by your parent, but God will. Some of you yearn for validation and acceptance and the father will give that to you because of Jesus. And some of you have just had so many lies thrown at you that you're not sure what is true and what is not. And what the father says is come to me Meet me in the secret place so that I can show you who you've always meant to be, the child of the king. British theologian and pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones said this about this verse. He goes, every time, not one time, not sometimes, every time we pray, if only we realize that we are indeed his children, And that whenever we pray, it is like a child going to its father. He knows all about us. He knows our every need before we tell him. As the father cares for the child and looks at the child and is concerned about the child and anticipates the needs of the child, so is God with respect to all those who are in Christ Jesus. This one kills me. He desires to bless us very much more than we desire to be blessed. God is good. Could you ever have imagined that this is what waits upon those who go to God in prayer? Every year, the staff goes on a staff retreat here at Mosaic. And there had been something that I had been praying for for many, many, many months. And I began to think that that God would never meet me in that space. And I would, I would ask my wife, Rachel, to, to pray with me and pray for me. I, 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 I would tell my, my close guy friends that this is what I'm praying for. I'd write in my journal. And, 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 here's, and here's a confession. For most of my life, I have felt like God doesn't actually love me. Like I was just like, man, every time I come to you, I'm not quite sure you wanna be here. I'm not quite sure you actually love me. I'm not sure... I'm even yours. But I would keep coming to God time and time and time and time again. And so at the staff retreat, they, 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 they encourage you, like, what is something you want God to do, to meet you in? At this point, I was pretty discouraged. But I was like, okay, I'm doing the exercise. I want God to pour his love over me, period. Just close my book, amen, call it a day. Day one happens and I'm just like, oh, he didn't show up. But then day two happens. And we actually, we were singing, right before it happens, we are singing Run to the Father. And I was just praying. I was like, God, 
got no other choice. I'm not quite sure I can do this thing we call Christian life if I can't sense your love for me. And so I begin to pray and not like, and this wasn't even like powerful prayer. This wasn't like, like some people like call Pentecostal prayer. Like, God, I call upon you. I say, you are my father. And you like, it wasn't any of that. It was like, God, you say you're my father and you say I'm your son. Would you give me your love? Would you help me experience your love? And I cannot tell you I can't, I can't explain to you. All of a sudden, all I know is that I'm filled to the brim of the love and goodness and faithfulness and the joy and the peace. Even as I think about it, I remember how sweet that moment was because I had met God in the secret place. It was just him and me. And my father was like, I was like, oh God, <laughs> there you are. And he goes, I've been here the whole time. I've been here the whole time. And what Jesus is teaching us tonight is that more than anything, prayer is an intimate encounter with God. And every time we go to him, he is willing to pour his blessings over you. And it's not about how effective your prayer is or how long your prayer is or how, how nicely worded or how beautiful it is just that you come to God in the secret place. And you might be asking, well, how can I be confident that this will happen to me? Because when I pray, I don't always feel like God is present. And sometimes you might be finishing your prayer and it feels like nothing has happened and it feels like God has hidden himself and, and it's like we can't ever find him. Paul teaches the church at Ephesus. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about our access to the Father. And he says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 18. He says, for through Jesus, we both, you, meaning me, Paul, and you listeners have access in one spirit to the Father. You see, it is through Jesus. It is through Jesus that we have access to the Father. Do you know the one person in whom the Father has never denied his presence to? Do you know who it is? It's the Jesus. And so if you are in Jesus, what does that mean to you when you pray to God? Just as when Jesus prays to the Father and he is answered and he is in the presence of God, so are you when you go to God in prayer. You are able to have the same confidence and the same access to the fullness and goodness of God in prayer because of Jesus. So if you're here tonight and if you want God as Father, if you want to have overwhelming, infinite experience with a God of peace, wisdom, joy, direction, deliverance, and sustainer, and all of those other things that the Bible says to be true of God, if you desire that every time, that you have access to that every day, every moment, every second of your life, I would say to you tonight, give your faith and life to Jesus tonight. Do not wait.
Do not tarry. Do not say tomorrow. Tonight, come to Jesus in faith and say, Father, and say, Jesus, I give my life to you and I promise you the Father will never deny you from that moment on. And if you are already following God and you are here tonight, then I need to remind you of your status as God's child. You are not an orphan. You are not abandoned. You can run to the Father in the secret place today. And so as we finish here, my one thing, the one, the one driving thing I'm gonna ask, and it's the one thing that Jesus says, says, get into the secret place and meet with God. Do it. Do it tonight. Say, God, I'm here and I just, I wanna see you. I wanna experience you. I wanna know you. Now you might be asking, well, how do I, how do I practically do this? Now I've just, I've written up a template that I've used in the past that, um, that actually Tim Keller wrote in his book, A Prayer. And it's, it's, it's a very simple approach. You can, now this is not the way. There are many ways you can pray. There are many ways that you can go to God in prayer to the secret place, but it's a couple of just different steps and you can take a picture of it. Can you, Blaine, can you put it? So we're gonna walk you step by step of what it could practically look like for you to go into the secret place and meet with God. Because sometimes we think, oh, it's just like, like I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to do. I, 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 uh, I don't know what to do. And again, this is not rocket science, nor is this the way. There are many other ways that you can do this. The importance is that you are going to God in prayer. So the first thing I would suggest to you is you actually approach God. Like you actually go to prayer to God, not some theoretical and personal God, but you go to the God of the Bible, the God who wants you to meet with him. You go to meet with the Father. And you pray and you tell God, listen, I'm here and I'm open to you and I want you to speak to me today. I need fresh revelation from you. I need to hear your truth and your love being spoken over me. God, would you give that to me? And then from there, I would encourage you to open up your Bible and read a chapter or two. This is where having, maybe having a, a Bible reading plan would be helpful. And if, and if you don't know what that is or you want help with that, come find me after the gathering. I'd love to help you get started on a Bible reading plan. And as you're reading this chapter, this one or two chapter, again, it's not about length. I, like I just preached 40 minutes on two verses. You could spend a lifetime on a chapter. You could spend an infinite amount of time on just one verse. But whatever it is, whether it's a chapter or a few verses, discern one or two truths from your reading. Write it down. Don't just keep it in your head. Write, like, actually, it's really helpful when you write it down and look at it because you're meditating on it. And then you're gonna, you're gonna answer these three questions. How does this help how does this truth help me praise God? How does, it show me, uh, how does it show me a sin to confess? How does it show me something to ask God for? And then whatever, those, whatever the answer to that is, turn those into prayers. Turn it, turn it into a prayer of, of praise, turn it into a prayer of confession, turn, and turn it into a prayer of petition. And as you finish that, again, 
you could be done at this point if you wanted to, but, but sometimes, and this happens often to me, I, I, have, I want to go to God and like something in that has stirred something in me. I'm like, God, I, I know it's not in the text, but I wanna pray this to you. I wanna ask you of this. Like, like today I was reading about, about Enoch and how he walked with God. And I was like, God, I know this is not really the point of the text, but God, I wanna walk with you like Enoch. I, like I, I, wanna, I wanna walk with you. I wanna be with you. And I, I, would just, I just spent time praying to God, God, help me walk with you. Give me, give me the grace to walk with you. Empower me through the spirit to walk with you. And then finally, I would, I would encourage you to just give yourself time to hear God speak back to you. Prayer is a two-way conversation. Jesus, as we read, spoke to God and God responded. God wants to speak to you and speak truth and life over you. Yes, through his word, but sometimes it's a prompting in your spirit. And what you'll find over time is that, is that your time with God in prayer will become actual intimate encounters with God. It won't feel like you're praying to no one, but it will feel like an actual conversation with your father who wants to be with their child. You'll begin to know God as the one who wants to bless you more than you desire to be blessed. So as we finish here tonight, I pray for our community that this year be the beginning of getting in the secret place and being transformed by the truth and the power of our Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, our faithful God, our good and righteous Father, who loves us, who desires to bless us more than we even know what to ask for. God, you, in your word, you say that, that you do far more than we could ever imagine or ask for. And it is to you that we come. And I ask, Lord, God, even in this moment, guys, just look at me for a second. Just take a moment and just go to the secret place. I know I said you can do this later, but, but do this now. You don't gotta do all those steps. Just, just be very simple. Just seek God. Seek him right now. He wants to lose hide and seek. He wants to meet with you. He wants to pour all that he is over you. So I'm not gonna pray. I'm not gonna finish this. Go to God in prayer and meet him, your father, in the secret place. And at some point we'll, we'll continue and sing. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.